Welcome to Life List, a birding podcast. Hello, 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 friends, birders, nature lovers, and Alvaro Jaramillo. How are you doing today, Al? Hi, how's it going? Good, Very man. good, George. Excellent, excellent. We're back here. Another episode of Life List, a birding podcast. It's October. October, the calendar switched over. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. <laughs> yeah. Oktoberfiesta. Fiesta, fiesta. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you know, Al, that October is Bat Appreciation Month? Bat, as in baseball bat. <laughs> well, it's funny you no? say that because <laughs> it's also Christmas Seal Campaign Month, which is huh. where when I saw that I thought wow there's a christmas seal out there like I was you right. know and it's it's not that kind of seal I was wrong No that. the christmas seals yeah it's this old charity called the christmas seals so. Yeah I I learned a little something there um Yeah yeah my my nature nerdness carried me in the wrong direction steered me wrong there Yeah But yeah Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. isn't christmas island now called Kiribati right <laughs> Yeah. So, so you would have to like be like, it's the Kiribati seal month. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas seal people. Wow. Like, it's like, how could they not know our organization? They have a monk seal out there. They must it seem like they don't have a monk seal out there, you know? Yeah. Monk seal. Yeah. Yeah. Seal. So, okay. Maybe it's Bad a appreciation day. And then the Christmas seal. I mean, not day, month. Okay. What's next? Yeah, so there's, I got a, I got a bunch here because I was just I saw this what? and I started digging in. First of all, I think like real pertinent to us and our listeners is that ah. it is National Go on a Field Trip Month, October. Is. Wow! Yeah, National so, Go on a Field Trip Month. Yeah, not only that, and this is one I didn't see coming. It's National Pet CBD Month. Also, perhaps pertinent to our listeners. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah I feel like it. I feel like it probably is. I feel like it probably is probably for a certain some, segment. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Get your goldfish all high on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your maybe not your, goldfish. Your emotional support alligators. You know. Yeah, yeah, that does happen. You know. Yeah, it does. We've seen. Sometimes it. they need support too. It's true. People need to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, it, perhaps appropriately, it is also Halloween safety month. I thought October was a good time for that one, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, if you want to plan, though, it should have been in September. Yeah, that's true, probably, huh? You do have the whole yeah. month, though, to lead up. That's the nice thing. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's you know, it's also mischief night month. So, uh yeah, I feel like those yeah. two things might may not really dovetail. You know, you know that where I live in Half Moon Bay is kind of a Halloween um place. Like we're known for big wave surfing, obviously awesome birding and pelagics, but pumpkins. Hmm. People come out here to get pumpkins where it's like a a, a thing and we have the Half Moon Bay Pumpkin Festival, which is huge. And then Halloween is big, and the high school's colors are black and orange. Oh, I like the black and orange. The Philadelphia so, Flyers. 
black and orange. Yeah. It's a good color. The who? The who? The Phil- what? The Philadelphia <laughs> Flyers. Is that yeah. curling? Yeah. No, you're a hockey fan. I know you're a hockey fan now. Don't pretend like you don't know. I'm just, just trying to downgrade yeah. your Flyers. Yeah. Well, it's not hard to do that. They've been downgrading themselves for a solid decade now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's crazy. I didn't realize that you guys were like the pumpkin capital of the world out there. Uh, yeah. It's what, at least one of them. Yeah. There's probably yeah. other, there's probably others, you know, each region must have one. You know, what's coming up in Cape May this month is um, the what? Lima Bean Festival. The Lima Bean Festival. Let me uh, tell you, those people know how to party. That's, yeah, oh man, yeah. I could see the big stand for that Beano company, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> minimize your gas mm-hmm. with our product. Um, why is it Lima? Wait, it's not Lima, Peru. Lima, Come on. Lima, Peru. Is it Lima beans? Yeah, that I don't know. Uh, that we'll have to rely on the listeners to uh, edify yeah. us on the, the origins there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lima there's there's a couple other months here. There's a couple other awareness month things for October. Awareness, I feel like I sh- yeah. I feel like I gotta share here. Um, just quickly, one is that there's there's a lot of food stuff going on. It's National Caramel Month, Chili oh. Month, National Chili Month. National Cookie Month, National Dessert Month, National Pasta, it's Pickles and Peppers, it's Pizza, it's Poppin' Popcorn Month, it's Pork, Pretzels, Sausage, Seafood, uh, Pear and Pineapple, Rhizomes and Persimmons, Rhubarb. Rhizomes. Yeah, Rhizomes and Persimmons Month. Who knew? It's Rhubarb Month, and it's Spinach Lovers Month. So not really Spinach Month, but Uh. Spinach Lovers Month which I think is nice. And then uh, it is vegetarian month as well for all of our vegetarian friends. In addition to that, yeah, there's a, that's a lot of food stuff, right? Um, Tomato pie month. It is not that. I mean, it should be, it is, it is toilet tank repair month. It's toilet tank repair month. So they keep that repair month. Yeah. That's a good one. What is a toilet tank? I guess. Is that like a, you know, (laughs) (laughs) not sure. Like, what is toilet tank? I mean, I'm assuming just, it's not. It just flows to the ocean, for, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like you've spent a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, Alvaro, perhaps most important from your perspective is that it is National Sarcastic Awareness Month as well. Huh. Yeah. Sarcastic awareness. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that means like you should be aware of your sarcasm or if you should be like celebrating your sarcasm. I'm not sure which it is. I just, I think that finding the National Sarcasm Awareness Month Facebook page would be fun. A fun read. <laughs> <laughs> All the people in there would be like. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think, uh, yeah, we can we can get that one going along with my anti sesquipedalian Society Facebook page going as well. I feel like I feel like those two might really uh, really go together. There might be a good amount of overlap in those yeah. audiences. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. They uh, are. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Sarcasm. Well, a couple, uh, yeah, sarcasm. Also, a couple last ones because I don't want to I don't want to oh, bel- belabor do, this. Too- I do want to say though that people who don't get sarcasm. You know, there's no way you can make them aware of it because they just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah. no this. This is like an in club of people. You know, they're talk preaching to the choir. Probably this this 
these people. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I We certainly have friends we've talked about who like the sarcasm thing just kind of flies over their heads and then we end up just right. feeling like miserable, terrible human beings afterwards for our, right. you know. Why are you yeah. so mean? Yeah. Those are jokes. Why are you such a jerk Jeez. all the time? Yeah. Those are, yeah. they're called jokes. Yeah. I know. Well, they're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's they're, beside they're, the point. I was going to say, they're correct about that a fair amount of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is also... Raptor Month, which I think is a good oh. one, right? Yes, Raptor oh, Toronto month. Raptors. Yeah. I don't think that's what it is. Oh. Okay. Um, I didn't. I didn't do the digging on that one, but I don't think that's what it is. Oh. Um, and it Bird. is. It is Photographer Appreciation Month. So I. I think this is a good time for everybody to reach out to their favorite photographers, and be like, you know what? I appreciate you. Like what you do. <laughs> like your artwork. I'm reaching out to say i appreciate you photographer i think that'd be a solid move also this one my dad doesn't even know this yet i cannot wait to tell him it is squirrel awareness month no lie wow yeah and on the website it it takes care to say this is different than squirrel appreciation day which is in january this is squirrel awareness month so october's uh, a big month it's a big month man there's a lot of stuff to be aware about yeah, you know. it's true. It's kind of exhausting, frankly. Yeah. No, there's some good ones there. Raptors. I yeah. wonder, you know, some of these things are new to me. Like, you think I would know about Raptor Appreciation Month? Mm-hmm. Certainly and would have thought you'd know I, about Sarcastic Awareness Month. <laughs> Maybe I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> um, so... They're not being marketed all that well, some of these months, uh, appreciation months, right? You think that every single one of the Hawk Watches would be like, hey, everybody, it's October. You know what it is. It's Raptor Appreciation Month. You know, we're going to get those eagles coming over. Um, and they, n- nobody knows about it. So uh, I think uh, I'm glad we've done our part to actually increase the visibility of some of these months, especially Toilet Tank Repair Month. Yeah. For those of you who need who are thinking about this repair and uh, yeah. and have been putting it off for 10, 20 years. Yeah. Might Now's be your the moment. Month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is this is the time, people. Seize the day. You know? <laughs> yeah. Seize the day. Carpe diem. Yeah. Uh I do think as when it comes to marketing though, Alvaro, I mean it's we have to look ourselves in the mirror. I mean, it's go on a field trip month. You know, how, how does oh. the, how does the, how does the birding tour industry not celebrating this, you know, much more wildly? I feel like this is, you know, we're falling down on the job on that one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely true. Um, it's, it's funny though. I do, you know, I, in my head, a field trip I feel is different than a birding tour. I would say yeah. field trip is like a one day event, but obviously it's the same stuff. It's just how long you do it and how you do it. Yeah. We are essentially doing multiple field trips when we do a tour. Yeah. Or just one real long one, you know? When, yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a like a rave. It's just this <laughs> nonstop party of field Birding trips. man. Birding man. Yeah. Birding man. Yeah, yeah. Birding man. Where would, if yeah. you had to hold birding man, you know, or let's birding person, right? We're going to be. I like that know, better. Yeah. Birding person. Um, where would you hold it? Hmm, that's a good, that is a good question. Because, you know, they do Burning Man in the middle of the desert, you know, and they clean everything up in theory and get yeah. there and it's 
it's a nothing place. And then I feel like one of those, like, you know, um, desert oasis, like burning hot spots, like, you know, like that one North of Albuquerque or something or, or, uh, or outside of Vegas or, or I don't know. Uh, to me, yeah. it feels like there should be a little bit of a desert vibe for burning person, but, uh, yeah, not sure. Yeah. I'm wondering if you could like, just go into like a flat cornfield in the middle of Iowa where there's nothing and just take it over and, and not necessarily go birding, but talk about birds, right? Mm-hmm. Enjoy birds and birding culture. Not um, be distracted by birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually sounds kind of like bird fair, right? They sort of chose the least birdie month. <laughs> yeah. When is That's nobody true. birding? Oh, well, early August. All yeah. right, let's have it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. yeah the new well, bird fair is in July, right? Yeah. I was going to say, now I think it's right around 20 July. It's like that third week in July sometime. Yeah. But it's a, it's a good concept, right? It's North American bird festivals have been all about the field trips and let's go out and see things. And bird fair was always about the, the event and yeah, we don't really have field trips. We, you come here and and talk to everybody who's doing stuff and you listen to the talks or you chat with providers of tours or sellers of optics, all that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. I think we do need, Maybe we put it all together. Birding person is also like a bird fair, you know. Less about the birds, more about the birders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. would be fun. Face painting. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe some Rave tent. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, at bird fair, I learned um, the hard way that there is a whiskey tent. Um, there's like a, a booth where they let, they can't sell it. So you sample whiskey and man, I must yeah. say came back to the booth a little looser than I went out. Um, yeah. That Would was, you uh, go in there with different glasses, you know, so they didn't know it was you. It's like, here's your sample. Hey, you uh, look like that other guy. Here's your sample. I, I went in with a guy who was like a partner, you know, for the company I was running with. And we like went in and. I remember we met the uh, the raptor expert Dick Forsman, you know, who's who's written on the uh, yeah the raptors in the Middle East and uh, is a tremendous photographer. European raptors, yeah, yeah, too, he yeah. was there. That's the only time I met him. I suspect he probably does not remember me because, well, we we tippled a, a couple whiskeys, me and me and him and an, another friend or two. And we, you know, like I went in there, he's like, come on, George, let's go. And I was like, all right, yeah, I don't really, you know, this is my first time at Bird Fair, we'll see what's going on. And uh, yeah, before you knew it, um, it was, a, it was a little bit of a, a different experience walking out of the whiskey tent area than it was walking wow. out. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and these, just uh backtrack, a lot of North Americans don't know some of these names that are big names in Europe, you know, people who've done uh, produced books and identification things that are huge and really kind of changed the entire world birding situation. Dick Forsman's one of them. And, you know, maybe the earliest Raptor ID specialist that really sort of was looking at things in a different way. And it's trickled down to North America in various ways from people to, you know, know him or read all his stuff. But 
I find it interesting that some people are really huge, um, but the divide, you know, between Europe and North America, sometimes folks here don't even know who these people are, you know, and yeah, and vice you know, versa. Major things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's true. Yep. But that is one of the cool things about bird fair and birding person when we get it together is that you get to meet some really interesting folks, people that yeah. know a ton about birds or just are really fascinating, interesting, fun people. So, um, yeah, the, it'd be, be good for folks to check out festivals coming up and maybe think about even organizing one of their own, potentially. Yeah. No. You know, one of, the, one of the really cool things about birding that maybe folks don't think about it too much is that some of the bigwigs in birding, people who, you know, well-known names, are completely accessible and in festivals you can go and chat with the movers and shakers of your you know your hobby you can't do that in golf or you know other other you know once somebody gets known there's sort of a uh you know there's 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 almost like a, a fence yeah <laughs> around those people who has access to them who doesn't um, and birding is still really, you, know, you can walk up to David Sibley, Kent Coffin, the people who write the field guides and just chat with them. Um, and I think that's, that's amazing. I wonder how long it'll stay that way as things grow. Um, but, uh, hopefully it, it remains part of our culture. Yeah. I agree. That's what, like the, you grow up, uh, or you spend time birding and you hear, names right of people that we've all learned from and and all of a sudden they're there in front of you and it's like you can you can end up kind of gobsmacked um yeah but that's but that happens again and again in birding so it is one of yeah. the cool things the accessibility Did, to you, everybody as a kid meet roger tory peterson I did yeah well, you did yeah. yeah we met we met on the train to churchill manitoba i was wow i was really just into birding i was like literally like a week or two into like being like, okay, I'm a birder, you know? And, uh, like I, I had been, we drove to Thompson and I'd been looking through the field guide and, and I, and I knew it was a Peterson field guide, you know? And then we got on the train and I was like, I was like, Oh my God, there he is. RTP. RTP yeah, that's himself. Pretty, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, just, uh, yeah, that doesn't happen every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, it's something I'll treasure, uh, treasure and experience. Uh, yeah. Well, Alvaro, I feel like you've been offshore a lot lately. I'm, I'm, I kind of know some of what you've seen, but I haven't actually heard you t talk about it. What have you been seeing, man? Well, so yeah, I've been out and about. Um, doing trips out of Half Moon Bay last weekend and yesterday. That's why my voice is gravelly. Hey, hello, hey, because I've been screaming. Uh, I figured it was a long night on the town, but uh, no, 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 screaming. Mm. Skua, skua. <laughs> you know, that's the actually everybody. That's the that's the thing that spotters love to scream at. It's the perfect word. It is. Uh, yes, and everybody knows what you're talking about. It's short. It's got a K sound, a little harsh, you know, kind of. It carries. Right. You, you don't want to be screaming, final pepla. No, bad. <laughs> you know, it's like to choosing be screaming a dog around name. here. Right. <laughs> choosing a dog name. You want short and sweet, quick, mm -hmm. skua. 
so yeah, I've been screaming out school a lot. We we had, you know, last weekend. I don't know where the arrival of things like uh, the uh, Scripps's Merlet, you know, oh, yeah. warm water critter. We we uh, had a shift, you know, in in terms of this being a cold water year into suddenly these warmer water things were showing up. But yesterday, man, you know, like you go out and you think you have it somewhat sorted out. There are patterns that occur, you know, and there are some patterns like you go, you see common MERS here. They're quite common. And then as you head out, first shear water of the day is sooty shear water. And you maybe see a whole bunch of sooty shear waters. You could be an hour of sooty shear waters before you are out far enough that somebody screams out pink-footed shear water. And, and then if you're super lucky, you go further out and then you maybe buller shear water shows up and so on. Yesterday, the pink-footed shear waters outnumbered the sooty shear waters, which seldom happens. And then they were right up against the coast almost. I mean, huh. very early, first shear waters of the day, pink-footed. And then it's like, Why? What's going on? And then skuas were throughout the day yesterday. I mean, <clears throat> we, have, we haven't put together the eBird list, but oh, God, maybe could be 10, 12 South Polar skuas we saw oh, wow. over the day. Marauders. And, um, yeah. And some of them really close to shore. In fact, this started last weekend. And I know if you keep, apart from your yard list, a five-mile radius list. Right, I, the, the sort of home patch list. Oh, I see. Okay, you know, so I five mile radius list. You can do this on eBird patch list and whatever. You can mm-hmm. create different ones, and uh, got South Polar Skua for my five mile radius. <sighs> Woohoo! Man, yeah, mm. yeah, and uh, that's a good one. That's hot. Yeah. So, so everything was kind of shifted yesterday, and and again, it's. I'm analyzing, sort of kind of working through my, my, uh, you know, what's the word? Confusion, right? The waters are actually had gotten cooler, right? So you would think, okay, so the water's gotten cooler. In my mind, we're out there, we're going out talking with the spotters, you know, it's okay, water's cooler than it was last weekend. So a lot of things that maybe were here are gone. And then tuna start jumping out of the water. Oh my God. And we don't get tuna very much. I mean, I'm going to stop saying this next year because by next year we will have tuna for four years in a row. So maybe we (laughs) do get them now. These (laughs) albacore or the bluefins? or the bluefin, which historically was not the tuna that ever showed up here. Albacore would show up. So suddenly we're like, this is weird, you know, and keep going a little bit. Storm petrol starts showing up and then um, you know, we, one of the, there's a, some birders up front said, you know, we, we think we saw something weird. Like it might've been like a, you know, a pterodroma petrol or something. And then suddenly I'm like, gosh, you know, and there's not much wind, nothing going on. It's very st- still. That's, that's 10 minutes the, later. Sets the spidey ting, uh, sen- sense yeah. tingling. Yeah. yeah. It's pterodroma. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking around, you know, just, and I see this bird coming in towards us and. I'm like looking at it. It's like going up and down. It's like, gosh, that looks like a 
teradroma, but I've been fooled by Buller Shearwaters. And, and so I just sort of sat on it, waiting for it to get closer. That looks like a... And I then screamed out, Hawaiian petrol, you know, coming oh, in. Man. And, and it, ga- it gave us enough time. It was far enough away still that it was coming in towards the boat and we could describe it. And it did. You could watch the whole around the boat. You could able yeah. watch the whole approach. Yeah. So everybody saw this thing. Amazing photographs. Unfortunately, I just got a new camera that I did not know how to use. So my <laughs> photos are not, I had not, I was not set up, but my photos are not that good. But others did get some real good photos. So Hawaiian petrol flies around, you know, and, and everybody gets great, great views. Um, and that's a warm water species. And, and then this, then I had petrol fever, which I, I will, I will tell you about my petrol fever. This, this big flock of birds is coming towards us. These whitish looking birds, like, I don't know, I want to say more than 40, maybe a little less than a hundred, a whole bunch of them coming in towards us. And, and I'm looking and I thought, and we're, we're all looking at, are those Sabin's gulls? You know, we had this, the only thing that kind of could make sense was Sabin's gulls. And then they turned sideways and they're not Sabin's gulls. They're actually a, you know, a, a tube nose. And in my mind, I immediately thought this must be a flock of cooks petrels, right? Just because I've heard of flocks, right? I've heard wow. of these flocks all together and in calm water. And I had petrol fever, you know, and, and I screamed out, I think they're petrels, you know, and then Dorian Anderson comes over. It's like, you know what? I got photographs. I think they're actually buller shearwaters, <laughs> which seemed like a downgrade at the time, but seeing that many Buller Shearwaters all together was actually a really super cool thing. Uh, but, you know, you, you just, on a boat, you know, you're, when your emotions are running high. Yeah. Well, uh, it's, and it's and difficult it was, burning. It's always difficult yeah, burning out there. Yeah. And it's, a, it's just the excitement is going on, you know, and it's, Wilson Storm Petro comes in the back, you know, and then we're, we're kind of coming off this high and then somebody's like, there's a passerine, you know, a little bird, you know, rarely do we, we do get them every so often, but a little migrant land bird comes around and flying around the boat and we're trying to figure it out. And I would say one out of four of these passerines that try to land on the boat are something rare or vagrant. And sure enough, this was a Tennessee warbler that lands on our <laughs> boat, you know, and it's just like, wow. oh my God, you know, and more skuas and tons of Pomeranian Jaegers are flying through flocks of Sabin's gulls, black storm petrels. It was just a day and a half, you know, and then... Man. I thought about the fact that our two good birds, Hawaiian petrel and Tennessee warbler. A, when do you see those two on a hour-long checklist? And B, they're both named for states. <laughs> it's sort yeah. of a weird, like little hey. So it was a good day, and people were came back just sort of like wow, you know. Uh, and I, I had a, we'd had great days this this year, but none of the sort of really top level days had been out of Hapoon Bay. And usually Hapoon Bay is the, the spot, you know, um, we'd had great stuff out of Monterey and we had some great stuff out of, uh, Morro Bay. So it was great to get like a really solid, solid day with rarity in Hapoon Bay, you know, uh, super day, blue whales, yeah. humpback whales, dolls, porpoises, you know, Big mola, mola, sunfish, you know, huge. Baby whale. Baby whale. Yeah, yeah. baby whale. Yeah. It's a freaking baby whale. 
take it to the museum. <laughs> I was like, take it to the aquarium. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, there's a video, folks, about yeah. I, it, it got mentioned. You you mentioned it um, in an episode a while back, and and I mentioned that I'd not seen it that video, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Doug Gottschfeld was like George. Like he was he was disappointed in me. Yeah, he was like yeah. he was like no. Yeah, this is this is an injustice that must be. You have to see this. Yeah, yeah it's so sort just, of like not knowing what a rock hound is. You know? Exactly, it's that it's level of ignorance. That yeah. Level. Yeah. <laughs> Man. So that was that was just a whew, whirlwind. You know, I'm still uh, processing all that we saw. It's a buzz, and, right? Like, yeah, and it was nonstop. You know, there was. Maybe right at the end, we were coming back to port. We had a, a lull where people were just, you know, people actually just fell asleep because they were like exhausted. It's like, yeah, my, yeah, yeah. It's like too and, much to process. Exactly. It was, it was a good weather day. It wasn't like there were big waves or anything to deal with. It was just like so much stuff that had been seen. Uh, I heard of one, one person who took 4,000 images. Wow. You know, in that one day, that's nuts. In that one day, and yes. uh, but I gotta say, for all I've tried to like really bolster this amazing day, I don't know if it nearly comes up to what you you saw and did <laughs> a few days ago. Man, <laughs> yeah, I uh, it it was it was a hell of a day. It really was. You took over the internet, actually. It was like, <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it, and not just me, but yeah, like it was, it was really, there was a group of six or seven of us. Uh, I think Tom Johnson and I were the first to like, like we both screamed out well, when we saw this thing. Set up the scene though. People don't yeah. know what, you, what happened. Set up yeah, the so, scene, man. So Kristen and I had a, had a hotel credit to use down in Cape May and I, and like we, 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 I was like, you know, like months ago, I was like, let's set up for like late November or late to September, you know, and we'll just go down to Cape May, spend, you know, we'll, we'll use that credit then in the middle of the week. We'll be ready for a little break. So we had two nights and c- coming into it, I was like talking to Tom Johnson, who's a good bud and a couple of friends, Whitney Lanfranco is down there. And I was like, there's a couple things I want to do on this visit. One is experience the nocturnal migration scene that people have been enjoying the last few years that I had never gotten to do before. And the other is hit like a good morning flight spot. And, you know, for that, and actually for both, you need good migration. You know, you need a special night of migration. You can go to the spots, but if the birds aren't moving, you know, there's not, there's, it's just not a whole lot going on, but we got lucky. And the night we arrived was a big migration night, a really big migration night. Yeah. And, uh, and so we went out and we did the nocturnal thing and it was great. There was like, I don't know, maybe 15 of us. And it was funny, like some of the folks that were there, I knew through social media, but had never actually met before. So that was really fun. Just like meeting people, seeing old friends. Um, and you know, and for Kristen, it was really cool because, you know, she really, she, while she'd been interested in birds in her twenties and stuff, being a young mom, she kind of got away from it. And then once we got back, we got together, like kind of just pre pandemic, she got into birding again, but, but this, she hadn't really been like immersed in big bird, a big birding scene. Like, you know, hadn't been to a festival or anything. 
And uh, so we've just been meeting birders here and there. And I was like, this is going to be really different for you. You know, you're going to see a lot of birders. You you know, it's going to be a lot of friends. Um, it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to be just as social as it will be birding. And uh, and so that was really cool. We went out at night. And like, for me, the coolest thing in the nocturnal stuff is that these clapper rails are just like one after another, like bing, bing, bing. They're just going right over. And we're, you know, lighting them uh, yes. up. And yeah, the it's just like. rail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Clapper rails. There was uh, a lot of cat birds moving and they look totally different when they're flying over at night than they do, you know, when you're, they, they actually have like almost these, they look like juncos almost, uh, which is totally weird. And then we had a couple thrashers right before we got there. We missed a few whippoorwills. They had like three whippoorwills go over and, um, and yeah. And, it was just, that was awesome. But we, like Kristen had worked the night before we were pretty spent. So we actually, we, we cut out, I think before midnight and crash next morning, I was like, all right, let's go do some morning flight. And we do that and we get to the morning so- flight spot and it's clear right away. Birds are moving, you know, still moving. They're coming in off the water. They're dropping in out of the sky, you know, like dozens of birds per minute passing by this spot heading North. And there's just six or so of us here. And, uh, and, you know, I think we'd only been there 15 minutes um, and we're just like, wow, this is good. You know, everyone's like, this is good. This is good. And all of a sudden start hearing this chipping from behind me. And and Tom noticed it right away. Also, like he was he was right on it. And we like and I kind of wheeled around and, and I guess he was kind of like leaning around somebody's head to like try to get a look at this thing. And then we both just Hold like on a second. There was a head. That was tall enough to be in front of Tom Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know how that happened, but yeah, yeah. He's a very tall guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's about as tall as I get. Yeah, but yeah, he's like so. He like leans around, and I'm like, I turn around to look at this thing that's chipping. I'm thinking that's not a palm warbler. Like, what is that? And and all of a sudden, we both just scream at the same time. Cartland's warbler, and like, Whoa. yeah, and like Tom had a few choice words as well he ad- he added some profanity to the mix because uh, it's the level of shock was just like you know it, it just our heads exploded and then like it, there was there was a few painful minutes there where i we actually wonder if our exclamation scared the bird away you know we like because this thing is only like i don't know 15 20 feet away when it landed and it's chipping and then we yell at it <laughs> And it takes off and it like yeah. everybody there that was there, like they, they, I think they saw us turn and pivot on it. So they were looking at it almost at the same time. And then we yelled it out. So all, all six or seven of us there saw the bird at the same time and then heard us yell out Kirtland's Warbler. And then the thing lifts off and starts heading north. And everything we're seeing this day is rocketing by, right? Like it's like a few things are dipping in briefly, but mostly stuff is just moving north and disappearing. We're like, oh man, we didn't get any photos. This thing is gone, you know? But then luckily it dropped into a little row of pines and then it actually came, like we lost it in the pines for a while, still no photos. And then it comes back south. I think I picked it up coming south. And, you know, we've talked about Kirtlands before. They're a big warbler, right? They're really hefty, yeah. fat things. And so they're they're actually quite distinctive compared to the other warblers that we're seeing. It was a big Cape May warbler day. A lot of perulas moving. A lot of palm warblers. The first, you know, big push yellow rumps. But this Kirtlands warbler sticks out as a bigger, fatter thing. And it plopped into the yard right next to us. And at that point, we finally fired off a few shots. Because this is the first state record for New Jersey. Long discussed. I was, I was surprised about yeah. that. I would gotta yeah. say that's surprising to me. But 
Yeah, no, there's a few. It's There's kind of a list of overdue expected birds, and Kirtland's warbler is right up there with like tropical kingbird. That's like another one that hasn't been seen, seen in the state of New Jersey. So we knew this was going to be a really big deal, you know, and, and the thing then moved off south and we lost it. And at this point, um, I think by now Tom had actually texted out the alert to let everyone know, hey, we got, we got a Kirtland's warbler here. And, uh, and then we got the shots. The thing moved off to our south. And we were like, gotta, you know, hope we see it again. Maybe it'll come back. We don't know. And wouldn't you know it that Jim Dowdell, who's like kind of, I feel like he's like the songbird whisperer of Cape May. Like if there's like a little, there's like a little songbird, you know, squirreled away someplace, this guy's going to find it. And, uh, and he just kind of wandered down the beach and found this thing feeding around in the pines and, and, or in the, um, the junipers, the red cedars, as they call them there and poison ivy, Virginia creeper. Um, some some bayberry, and it was just you know doing what they do. We've talked about it before. How they you know you've mentioned the structure of the habitat. They like the sandy yeah. soil, sort of scrubby stuff. And at times it would disappear for forty minutes or so, um, a thirty half hour minute, you know half hour or so, and then the next thing you know, it's right at your feet, and it's hopping around, and it's chipping, and it's it, it's so close you can't actually focus your camera down on it. Uh, and I think I think there must there's definitely over a hundred people, might have been even over two hundred people that day came to see that bird. Um, but man, it was a thrill. It really was something wow. else. That's yeah. pretty wild. I mean, part of what's going on is the, the warbler is now so much more numerous than it was, you know, 20 years ago that, uh, there's a chance to actually find one out of, you know, a vagrant or, or maybe even the, the migration route is now denser so that you know, maybe they went through there all the time. Um, yeah, in a small number. Now there's enough of them that you could actually see one. Right. Um, <clears throat> well, and this this kind of gets to the crazy part of the second part of the story, right? Which is that, uh, you know, hours go by, people are trickling in. We're we're still there watching the morning flight. Like, I mean, it was we're thoroughly distracted by the by the the Kirtlands, uh, but it didn't really come back up to where we initially found it. It mostly stayed to our south in the beach scrub in the maritime scrub there. But um, but people are just filing by, you know, the cars are packing in and, and you know, it's it so much fun for seeing everybody and, and all these people I hadn't seen for a long time. And uh, but then like I we, Chris and I actually went we went back and and did some stuff. And then I was like, you know, I totally really didn't do good on the photos. Maybe let's go back in the afternoon and see if we can get some spend some more time with the bird, maybe get better views. And, and that was exactly what we did. We we uh, we had to come right in. And while we were walking back, it was me and and Kristen and uh, Patrick Maurice from Georgia. He's working down there for the fall, Cape May. And we're walking back and we ran into Tom again. Tom and Melissa were coming back to actually do exactly the same thing Kristen and I just done, just spent a little more time with the bird. And Patrick's like, Jesse Amesbury just found another Kirtland's warbler in, on Cape Island in the Garrett wow. Reserve in Cape May. So like the first and state, second state records were found on the same day. Yeah, which huh. is pretty crazy. Pretty great. That is that is crazy. Yeah. I mean, and the number of, of birds that, I mean, I don't know if they have a solid population estimate now because it, it's kind of a... Uh, it's over 5,000, supposedly. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, at times the surveys were down below 200, I think in like the late 70s, early, maybe it was the 70s, I don't know if it was in the 80s, but they were below 200 individuals. Now they say it's, and of course, back then they might not have known where to look for some of these. There probably were more than that, I imagine. 
but now they say it's it's they think over just over five thousand total birds. Yet I was thinking that in the past they probably had a better handle on the number than now because now they're expanding to places where they're not even looking. You know, yeah, probably so. So you know, I know they're you know they're in very they're not just in Michigan anymore. And you know, even our you know our friend uh, Peter Burke has established new habitat for them in in um, in Ontario. That's that's working. Yeah, we got to talk about that one day. Yes, but, uh, Wisconsin, and you know, where else are they? Uh, yeah, Wisconsin. So they've got, been doing well for a little stretch here, and and Peter and his group was successful in finally getting the first ones returning to breed there. Right in. Uh, well, yeah, they're not breeding yet, but yeah, yeah. Setting up setting up shop. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they've seen a female, but yeah, advertising male. Yeah. So it's it, it, you wonder how much, yeah, how many more there there could be, but it's still it's a very rare bird and very yeah. unusual to see one out of you know out of uh, yeah its normal route. Yeah, and who knows. Yeah, if this becomes regular if they're more common over the years. I don't yeah, know. in this case, there was some theory that you know the remnants of Hurricane Ian are going through now um, and actually pelting rain against the window here. Hopefully, that's not making too much noise in the recording. But some people were thinking, you know, maybe that helped knock them down. You know, maybe they were on the move and they would have just sailed right on past, um, mm-hmm. were it not for this big low pressure system to the south. Uh, and there, you know, that seems possible that there could be actually others all around right now if folks got out to the right spots and uh, and were able to find them. Um, interesting you said to know. Cape Mays were out that day, right? Yes, that's another number. Caribbean winter. So. Perulas as well. Perulas. Yeah. How about black throated blues? Were they there were some. Yeah, there were some. Not, I wouldn't say big numbers, but a few. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That almost, you know, gosh, if they doubled in, in population, maybe we could even get one on the Farallon Islands. <laughs> it's a matter of time, right? Matter of time. Yeah. yeah if, everything if they, showed up there. Yeah, exactly. I think there's they, only... There's a golden cheeked warbler there, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. I think there's only like a cup, I mean, just a handful of warblers from the U.S. list that have not been seen on the Farallons. Yeah. Like, it'd be an interesting list, probably. I, I still can't. Instance, the amount of effort that's been put into that little chunk of land, the diversity of species, and that it's so far ahead of any other hotspot in North America just still kind of blows my mind. But yeah, just to put a bow on the the Kirtlands thing, one of the one of the highlights of the day, you know, for, was like to, like after we've been soaking up this scene for a while, all these birders filing in, Kristen's meeting all sorts of people for the first time, and she goes, she goes, she's like, this is so cool, you know. And then she and then she turns to me and she goes, you know, you've surrounded yourself with a really good group of people. Huh. And, I, and I was like, she has not met me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I thought it was, I was like such an interesting commentary, you know, like, you know, it's true. It's a pretty good bunch of folks. Overall, birders tend to be pretty thoughtful, interesting people. So, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people who. Obviously, there's all sorts and, you know, diversity that's uh, huge. But um, on the whole, the average, the mean, the standard uh, is of uh, people who are, like you say, good, thoughtful, people you'd want to have as your neighbors. So mm-hmm. good on yeah. your birders. 
keep on doing that. Yeah, as long as you don't block their driveway. When, yeah. yeah, yeah, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. What a what a day. Yeah. There's, there's those days that you have every so often that you just, uh, they're marked for life in your head as like a special birding day, right? Yes. Like a historic, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like in sports, you know, when your team has a day that's just, you know, for the history books. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. That was special. The bird was special. The place is special. And, you know, being there with Tom, who's a good bud and meet and meeting a whole bunch of other friends. It was just a special day. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. Hey, I'm sure that this is something you have done in the past, but it's, it's worth asking. Have you ever discovered a new species for a state? Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. How about the blue footed boobies? That was, yeah. That was one. Actually, yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, actually, several, a couple of folks have asked me. I have either I found one or two myself, and or been a part of groups that found them several times. Um, so yeah, and you know, there's even been a couple. You know, I don't know where you draw the line here. There's been a couple pelagic um, trips that I've been on. I didn't spot the bird, but where, um, you know, like. The, the Cape Verde Shearwater. I was with, I was right next to Brian Pattison when he spotted that thing, which was the first for North America. And I was right next to Michael O'Brien. I was literally sitting next to him when he spotted what ended up being the first Swinhoe storm petrel for North America. Um, so that, those are cool. And yeah, some Alaska, Western Alaska, you know, vagrants that are not really that surprising. They're more just like people don't, weren't getting to the spots as much back then. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I've, I've had a hand in, like I found one of the first really good birds I ever found was Townsend's Warbler in Virginia, which was the first state record. Uh, Ooh. and that was, that was a similar thrill to this, this Kirtland's. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. If you put in enough time, enough experience, enough, uh, you know, we do this full time. So things do happen eventually. Yeah. These unusual, unusual birds, vagrants, um, it's, yeah. it's kind of amazing how much enjoyment there is out of finding a rare bird. And some people sort of say, well, what's, you know, what's, what is it? You know, why not just go birding? And we do, we just go birding a lot of the time. We just enjoy co- common birds, but the unusual weird is always fun. It's hard for them not to stick out as, as, as being different because that's exactly what they are, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I understand. We last time, Al, we were talking about um, another vagrant that showed up in the UK. Uh, the UK, in, yeah, the uh, the Nighthawk there. And um, earlier, you mentioned, um, you know, I, I'd mentioned that there was we had a couple of whippoorwills fly over uh, while yeah. we were doing nocturnal migrations birding. Um, and it, there was one that just turned up by you, yeah? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing. So the the common nighthawk, which is probably is a common nighthawk, but I don't think visually you can really eliminate Antillian nighthawk that we talked about. But in the past, you know, if you if you were around when when 
a lot of the ID stuff came out of Birding Magazine and and uh, British Birds. It often was some rarity, vagrant record um, of some bird that would show up somewhere that people struggled to figure out what it was, and then they drilled in and figured out how to ID this from that and wrote a paper, you know, on on how to. And these these events were like these trigger events for for in a sense like birding research, and um, I think this is one of these cases. Uh, so here we had uh, two two young birders, Adrian Hinkle and Ethan Monk, who were birding out in Point Reyes area, and they find and photograph very well this whippoorwill flying around and then sitting, and uh, really great photos um, and. The problem is it wasn't calling, and it's a female, from what what we can tell. So you can't separate the eastern whippoorwill from the Mexican whippoorwill. So suddenly, it's like, what is it? Because here you could have either, right? In California, they they're both kind of possibles, and they you know they sort of are like, well, you know, I guess sort of we'll never know. And, and uh, I suggested to them that, no, this is sort of a call to action. Like, go go check out, you know, sp- specimens and stuff. And I did a, a search of photos, and I, f- I found that if you, if you look at photos of Mexican versus Eastern, often the Easterns are darker. They have more contrasting grayish scapulars, and, and the Mexicans have more of a, a rusty tone or warm tone. And uh, Peter Pyle, you know, who's uh, somebody who spends a lot of time at collections, he'd photographed specimens back, you know, b- back um, a couple of years ago when another one had shown up around here, another whippoorwill. And he suggested the same thing. There's like a warmth. And so now suddenly we have like these uh, young birders who might tackle this. Maybe Peter might, you know, go in and, and help them out sort of how to look at specimens and sort all this out but it it seems like some of these things can be resolved if you if you put your you know time into it and really look in detail and often use the resources of a museum collection so we'll see if this is sort of like one of those old school rare bird shows up and eventually we get a paper that tells us how to separate a from b and uh be really really fun you know yeah yeah, I that's that's what it, it takes sometimes, cool. right? Is is a is a bird in a place where it's not supposed to be to to further the identification process? Because how old is this split now? The split of used to just be whippoorwill, and they split eastern from Mexican whippoorwill. I want to say it was like twelve years ago or something like that. Some, some maybe yeah, something like that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I think it was about that long ago. I'm not exactly sure, but. Um, but you know, people kind of like okay, yeah, you know, it's no big deal. You you know, they don't they don't overlap in range, so it's not, and they sound different, so it's not like you're you're you know you're not going to really struggle to separate them most of the time, unless one shows up way out of range where <laughs> yeah. it's not supposed to be, and then you got to figure it out. Uh, so here right. we are. Here we are, and and if it had been a male, you know, you can use the amount of white on the outer tail feathers to to give you a pretty good handle. But it wasn't a male, wasn't an adult male. So, uh, yeah, and uh, you you just have to f- try to figure it out. 
And uh, I think it's possible. And uh, who knows? Weirdly enough, you know, we've, we've had, like my county has a historic record of a Chuck Will's widow. Wow. I mean, it's just these birds, uh, they, they travel. Nightjars look like they're, you know, kind of weak flyers, but they're not. They're amazing. They're kind of like rails, you know. Rails, yeah. Rails will surprise you. Yeah. The uh, I, a couple things I've heard cool about Chuck Will's widows. One was, and I I've never heard this from anybody else, so I'd I'd kind of like to like hear it confirmed. But a a guy I know who's used to do a lot of dry tortugas trips told me about um on the on the on the you know the boat ride out there um that he had twice seen Chuck Will's widows actually land on the water. Like, you know, this is out in the Gulf of Mexico. So, and the Tortugas is actually quite a good place to see Chuck Will's widows on a day roost someplace there in Fort Jefferson. I've seen them a few times there and it's, it's, it's totally weird because, you know, <laughs> just not good habitat at all. But, but then, you know, there, this is a, a small island, pretty much smack in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. They don't have a whole lot of options if they're trying to put down and rest someplace. But I, I know, um, I know that, you know, that this guy tells me he's twice seen him, like, he's been en route to the Galapagos, or to the dry tortugas, and seen these things put down on the water, which is hard for me to believe. But, like, if that's true, that's pretty darn amazing. The other thing was, like, I remember, like, and this is something I never hear about, but I feel like should happen way more often, is I remember Marshall Iliff telling me that he was leading a tour uh, around here, Cape May, you know, it was like Cape May Hawk Mountain uh, swing, which is a popular one. Yeah. And, uh, in October, you know, in, uh, in Raptor month in, uh, in toilet tank repair month, uh, October. <laughs> and he said that he, he saw, he was at, at Brig at the Forsyth National Wildlife Refuge, coast of, uh, uh, sort of central Jersey, famous birding place. And they were just looking at birds and stuff. And all of a sudden he looks up and he's like, what's this weird like hawk? And it was, I think he said it was like two, 300, maybe higher feet up in the air. We are, I don't know. It was like way up high. And he looked up and realized that it was a chuckles widow, like, like soaring basically. Um, wow. And you know, and I'm like, I feel like that should happen more often, but you know, um, but Maybe it does, and if Marshall Eiliff is not there, they're like, "Well, there's another Coopers." Yeah, <laughs> could be. Marshall's Marshall's pretty darn sharp. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, I mean, as as you say, those birds, chucks and whips in particular, they really they move and they will surprise you in places. Um, it's good to be ready for them. You know, uh, a surprising thing that happened in, to me with a nightjar once was I was on the where was I? Gosh, I was, uh, when maybe it was Ecuador. I, gosh, I don't know. But I think it's Anthony's nightjar that's out there. That's like this um, west coast of the, west of the Andes. Choco nightjar. thing? Hmm? It's like a choco? It's, yeah, but it's, it's, it's more, it's like in the, in the um, more deserty kind okay. of habitats, right? And I'm going along this trail and um i this night jar pops up in the middle of the day and i see this single egg down down there it's a nest you know they don't make much of a nest i'm like yeah oh my gosh you know, nest. scrape on the so ground I, practically yeah 
right? So I, I leave immediately and think, okay, so I'm going to go back through this uh, area. I'm going to sneak up and just get a quick picture of the bird on the ground. I, you know, gave it like a half an hour, or 40 minutes to resettle. And then I come back and there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. There's no egg. There's no bird, no nothing. And uh, suddenly I was like, oh, I've in the old days, like the old bent guides and these old timer, early 1900s bird people who used to pay attention to local natural birds. history, right? These natural like history. Yeah. Said exactly that. Night jars can move their egg. They can actually grab the egg because they're built. Their their gape is so huge. Yeah, they can huge mouth. Put the on egg, it. huge mouth. Get the egg in the mouth and actually fly to a new spot and actually physically move their nest. And the only birds known to do that. And and some people did not believe this, uh, of course. But to me, I was like, I that must have been what happened because you know you could say, oh well, a predator came got the egg. If that was the case, it would be shells. Uh, something and it would have happened in the last half hour nothing completely clean yeah so i i believe this is true i'm not sure if it's like documented where somebody has seen it and filmed it happening but i bet it is true and it makes complete sense i've had a similar experience alvaro um and uh it was in may um it, it was marshall and i were you know going all over the place birding and we did like a world series of birding thing and and we were scouting it's funny because i don't think we we're even on the same team but uh was, he, he was a formidable foe on uh on many of those for us for our team zen zugen Rui. and uh <laughs> and he uh but we, we we found uh we were birding in bell plain state forest and then we found a whippoorwill nest which was pretty cool and the very next day we left and went down to maryland to join my father for one of his big days uh, in, uh, in Dorchester County, Maryland. And, and, but we had a couple of days in between where we were knocking around and we, and we just went birding at the family farm, my, uh, our, my, my, my dad's place. And we were birding the woods there and we found a Chuckwill's widow nest. We found that we, we pushed a bird, uh, off, off an egg by accident. Just, you know, it wasn't that far off the road. And we we're like, Oh my God. And I was thinking, geez, you know, this is back in the film days, you know, this is like pre-digital and, and I was like, I would, I would die to get a good photo of Chuckles Widow. Oh. And I, and I snuck back with my camera so slow because I couldn't see the thing anywhere. And I was just like, I am not going to put this thing up. I'm going to sneak in. I'm going to get a photo and then I'm going to back out just as slowly, leaving the bird exactly where it was. And it was gone. The, it was gone. The egg was gone. And this was, this was 24 hours later. So it was a little yeah. bit more time than you had, but it was the same thing. And, and then I read in Bent, in Alexander Bent's book, that they will actually yeah. pick up the egg and move entirely. And so, yeah, I had a similar experience. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like, no, and if you think about it, well, why don't other birds do this? Most other birds don't have a mouth big enough or any way to grab an egg to take it anywhere. Yeah. But night jars can. Yeah, look at the gape on a on a on a Chuckwill's widow. Next time you you're looking at a photo, and just imagine that thing with its mouth open, hunting moths and other big insects, and you can see how it might actually be able to do this. Or it's they are they're very they're different birds to be sure. Yeah, pretty wild. Yeah, pretty pretty cool. Crazy uh, well, stuff. 
crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, one day we'll get to the one word names, but there was yeah. a, that was on the docket. Issue. That was on the docket again today. I, 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 I feel I bad if I prattled too long about no, uh, but the Jack Pine it, Warbler. It does, but. It does uh, make you think, though, like in terms of one word names, and I think we mentioned this before, is Chuck Will's widow, Whippoorwill, kind of a one word name? Well, I guess now it's Eastern Whippoorwill. But uh, if you hyphenate a name with multiple, is that a one word name? I think it is. I would I, I say think, I would put yeah. it in there. I would too. If if it's hyphenated, I think you're solid. Yeah. Yeah. But the the whippoorwills wouldn't qualify, but the Chuck would. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then the, um, we have the names with the Okina as well too. That's what I was thinking. All those Hawaiian bird names. Yeah. And I think they qualify. So, you know, you're a keke. Yeah. It is one word. The the Akila Pola Ao. Yeah. (laughs) The Ula, the Ula Ai Hawani. (laughs) <laughs> the huma huma nuku nuku apua'a? Oh, no, that's, that's uh, a the, fish. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, very, very you can imagine scene. yelling that out. Oh, yeah, isn't yeah. that like a, a booby? The oh. Yeah, or oh, 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 oh. And there's the e-o. Uh-uh. <laughs> so it's like, really yeah. fun. Yeah. Honestly, I wish, I wish we had more of, of such names. They're really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what else do we have on the docket? We're going to run out of time, but uh, yeah. Well, we'll save it. We'll, uh, save, we'll save the good stuff for a, for a, Oh yeah. There were some questions. There were some questions. Yeah. We had some questions from folks too. So we gotta, we gotta delve into those in the not too distant future. You know, tomorrow I actually get on a plane. I was going to say you're leaving soon. It's part of the reason we're doing this right Chile. now. Yeah. Yeah. Go to do my big, big uh, full country tour of Chile. Um, interestingly enough, you know, there's always amazing birds to see there that are regulars. But um, I can't, you can't help because you get the eBird alerts, you know, and it's like you have not seen these certain species in the country of Chile, and you're like, ooh, you know, I'm I'm not a like as you know, I'm very keen on the yard list. And sort of some of these lists, but most of them I don't worry too much about. But I have a certain soft spot for the chili list. Of course. And, uh, you know, having written a book back back in the day on these on the birds. So it's funny. Uh, there are multiple species that are around now that I might see mm. and add to the list. You know, yellow crown night heron is <sighs> one of them. Whew. You know, and then the Tinamus in the south. There's a possibility for the old Patagonian Tinamu. Those don't exist. A full lifer for me. I was going to say, yeah, those those don't yeah. exist as far as I'm concerned. Don't exist. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I often go through this exercise and come back sometimes with a completely different, not on the menu bird that was a new one, or uh, I don't see them at all. Or, <laughs> so, or maybe you'll, yeah, you'll exactly. You're going to come back with a new country first. We'll see. Never know. So yeah. it'll be, uh, is it, you, you just, after the, that many days of birding and especially in good spots, there's a chance for you to find, you know, and we have in the past, you know, new country firsts or whatever. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, 
So it's, it's, and this is the first time I've done the full, the long trip, not the birds and wine since the pandemic. You know, last time I was there was 2019 mm. to do this trip. So some of these places I haven't seen for a few years, which used to be annual visits, you know, and it'll be nice to see the same bus drivers, the same hotel staff who we've worked with for years and, and all that, you know, and also what has changed. Uh, see if some of my favorite restaurants are still around. And, you know, you know how it is. There's a whole community that, that kind of happens when you do a tour. And sometimes it's a very stable community of people. Like yes. the same owner or person of a, who runs a, a hotel is there for years. You know, yeah. they, they ask you about your family. They, they, you know, wonder how you fared through all that. It's an interesting they, yeah, they'll tell you, tell you, people tell you about some of your, the, your favorite food or wine that you're looking forward to having. They'll be like, check out this. I got this. You gotta, you gotta have this. Yeah. 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 That's and awesome. We're also trying some new spots too. We've, you know, um, there's some brand new or not brand new, but relatively new hotels that cater more to the birding crowd. And we're trying to like incorporate them. Um, so, so that's kind of cool. Also just sort of, you know, dabble in some new new places and uh yeah see if we can provide some surprises too i've got some i don't want to say anything on the air see if there's any things i can add to this tour on the fly if mm. the time allows you know i love the intrigue so, mm-hmm. i know see if we can do something different but um it's exciting um and you know i i'm Maybe you're like this too. I like the long flights. I like that I I don't have there's no email. There's <laughs> there's no I can sleep, I can watch a movie, I can mm. get some work done on my own time and then, you know, I sleep super well on planes, you know. Um I'm glad you do, Alvaro. I'm glad you oh, do. Yeah. You don't, huh? I can do it, but it's it's not my favorite part of the uh, the travel experience. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see. But it is. Have you ever had very much worth those it? Those lie down seats. Did you ever get upgraded? I've never paid for one, but I've had, I have been upgraded to those. No, it, it would no, be a lifer. It would be a lifer. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I want to experience it because then I'm afraid that I couldn't like I couldn't forget how awesome it was, and I'd be just furious back in coach again. Yeah. Yeah. I do like, I mean, people often ask about travel advice, you know, and uh, one thing that I think uh, is useful is international travel, long distance travel. Now they have that economy, premium economy class, you know, that is not business and it's not the back of the plane. And often it is priced reasonably enough that you can actually, you know, it's not like, business that's two or three times the regular price which i i just could i can't i'm cheap i, I can't rationalize that cost yeah 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 unless it so but that is you know instead of three seats across you get two so you have much more room and you know it's it's a you know better food often but it's kind of a hybrid i think it's a really good thing that the airlines have started doing that because they basically jacked up the prices so high on first class and business that only a few people can do that. Yet some of us travel enough that we don't want to 
you know, endure a coach flight if we, if we, I ha- I can, you know, and I, I often I can get the the exit row or something a little more room, but yeah, it's a so and those prices go up and down, so you just look for. You can sometimes like even book a day earlier to go to your trip and you can get a better price for that flight. And then the difference of spending one extra night in the hotel is less than, you know, what it would have been to pay for that premium economy on the day you had expected to go. So highly recommended. Yeah. Tips from the pros. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I hope your flight go down goes smooth, and I hope the tour goes even better. We're looking forward to hearing about it. And, uh, yeah, you get back from that, and then we got just a couple weeks before our Antarctic cruise with everybody. That's going to be a heck of an experience as well. We'll definitely plan to record a couple pods, um, I think, while we're undergoing that experience. So that'll be a fun thing for folks to look forward to down the road. Um, anything else, Alvaro, you want folks to know about before we sign off here? Um, boy, uh, Japan, Japan in February, we, it looks like Japan is opened up We're we can do the trip. We would need, you know, uh, we have some interest now, so, um, but it's just sort of opened up. So if you're keen on going to see the cranes and, uh, Stellar seagulls and all that, and the seabirds with you know alcids, and eat Japanese food every day. Come on down. It's a good one. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, it's a good one. The cranes and the eagles Love are Japan. pretty, pretty yeah. breathtaking, pretty amazing. Yeah. Notice awesome. I didn't mention the gulls. I didn't want to like you know scare away people, but <laughs> some good gulling there too. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. First cycle slatybacks make your head spin, but uh, pretty cool. Nice. How about you, George? Yeah, what well, getting ready. On? Yeah, getting ready to spend some time just uh, birding around here, really, until uh, I'm doing the, doing the, heading down to the tip of the Delmarva Peninsula next week. Be doing that. And uh, yeah, otherwise, encourage folks to check out our LifeList uh, website and check out the event that Molly and I are doing down with friends in Columbia. There's still space on that. Um, it's, uh, it's picking up steam nicely. So looking forward to that in February and, uh, yeah, it should be great. So folks should definitely take a look at that. I have one or two other trips that are, um, in, you know, that are, that are goes where there's a couple more spots left. So, uh, if you want to know about those, just let me know. Uh, you can reach me at info at hillstarnature.com. But uh, I think we will leave it at that for the time being. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Alvaro, good chatting to you as always. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye-bye, everybody. Cheers. Cheers.